Turn to 1 Kings chapter 6. We've already read it. Now kids, what did you notice? What did we read a lot about in that passage? What? (laughs) Sunday school answer. Nope, wrong. (laughs) Yeah, wit. A lot about building the temple. Absolutely. That's right. And there were a lot of details, weren't there? A lot of details. Not as detailed as some of the descriptions of, for instance, the tabernacle, if you remember, or other places we can read lots and lots of, of details. Now, in the New Testament, there's a verse that says, all of Scripture... And this is part of Scripture, 1 Kings. All of Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, God's the one who's saying it to us. And is profitable. Profitable for teaching, correction, training in righteousness. So why would we have to read about exactly how the temple was made? How is that profitable? I think that's part of the question that is easy for us to ask and then move on from and be like, well, I don't know, but I'm just going to read it because it's on my reading list today, right? <clears throat> well, there are, some, there are some important things for us to note about the temple, and much of the Old Testament is given to us as part of a picture that is pointing us towards something in the future that is pointing us towards something uh, that is obviously important in a way that maybe some of the things in the Old Testament are less obviously important. Like, what did the temple look like? Well, it's not around anymore. Who cares? Well, it matters because God was communicating to us in how the temple looked because the temple plan came from God, here's how it's supposed to look. And I I have given people skill for the building of the temple so that it will be the way it's supposed to be. Now, if you had to come up with some adjectives to describe the temple. Kids, you know what adjectives are, right? Descriptive words. So so what, what one word would you choose to describe the temple as an adjective? Yeah, go ahead. Golden, that's a good one. Yeah, what? You were going to say golden. All right, Liam. Awesome. It really is awesome from what we read, right? Yeah. Big. It is big. What else? Yeah. Detailed. The description is detailed, and also there, it's... It's very detailed-oriented in its construction, right? Yeah? What else? Beautiful. Beautiful. A lot of the words that you guys have given come together to make, to make it beautiful, right? You can make something golden and not beautiful. But if you make it golden and detailed, instead of just slopping some gold somewhere, you know you knew that if it's melted, I guess. You know, throw it against a wall. It's like, well, it's golden. 
but it's not exactly beautiful, right? It lacks the detail of form that it needs. I guess they ran out of adjectives. I, awesome is close to one I had. I had majestic. Majestic. Yeah, you got another one? It's not an adjective, sorry. But it is God-focused, isn't it? It's God-focused because it all brings your attention there, the place where God dwells. And in particular, it goes down into that center place, the place where the ark was going to be placed. And that's the room that the entire room was covered in gold. And then you have the carved cherubim from one end of the room to the other. And they're also covered in gold. And then you've got the ark, and the ark is covered in gold. It's a, it's a golden room. Golden's a good, good adjective. And it is according to God's plan. Solomon worked hard at building it. And he worked hard at building it right. Doing it the right way. Doing a good job. Now, when you're given a job to do, there's really two ways of doing the job. The right way and the, eh, it's done way, which is to say the wrong way. You understand what I'm saying, right? When you're told to sweep the floor and you grab a broom and you're like, I'm going out to play now. Have you swept the floor? Well, sure, yeah. Just swoop, 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 swoop. All swept, right? But have you done what you're supposed to do? No. Definitely not. Did any of you catch how long it took to build this temple? Yeah. Eleven years. Ah... Uh, not quite close. Yeah. Now you got me. Now you got me worried. I don't think that's right either. Yeah. Le what? Okay. Did I miss it? It's seven years. All right. You were right. I'm sorry. Okay, how long is seven years? How many of you are seven already? Everybody raise your hand if you're, if you're, more than, if you're seven or more. Okay, now everybody else put your hands up and everybody put your hands down. Okay, if you're not seven yet, raise your hand. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. How old are you? Six. 
So if we started building right when you were born, it would still be going. All that work, still building, still not done. Solomon was working to build it the right way. To build it the way it was supposed to be. To make sure a good job was done. And you know that a good job was being done because they carved the stones so perfectly that they didn't even have to, after they moved them from the mountains where they were getting them, to the place where the temple was being built, they didn't have to make any changes to those stones. No sound of hammer or chisel. Now that takes some planning, doesn't it? You can't just say, all right, well, you know, Cut some stones and we'll figure it out when we get here. No, you're doing it, you're doing it right. Planning, working hard at it. So this temple, it was important to Solomon, wasn't it? It was important to the people of God. Why was it so important to them? Any of you kids think you know? Why did they, why did they put so much time and energy and work into it? Yeah. Okay, so it was the first real building they were going to have to worship in. That's true. But there's something deeper than that. Yeah. It was for God. That's right. It was for God. It was for God, and they loved God. And therefore, they wanted to do a good job. They worked hard at it. Now, here's what God says in the middle of the chapter. He says, about this house, concerning this house, which you are building. Now that, I just want you to pay attention. That's what he says first. Concerning this house. Okay. Knowing that, then listen to what comes after and think about what that has to do with the temple. Okay. Concerning this house, concerning this temple, which you are building, if you walk in my statutes and execute my ordinances and keep all my commandments by walking in them, then I will carry out my word with you, which I spoke to David your father. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. What does that have to do with the temple? Concerning this house, obey me and I'll keep my promises. Concerning this house, keep my commandments, and I'll keep my promises. Well, it connects at what the promise was. The promise was, at the very end, 
I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. The temple is all about God dwelling among his people. Now, they already had the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was the the place where God said, I will dwell among you. But the tabernacle was being replaced by the temple. And the temple was to be the place that represented the fact that God was dwelling among them. And not just represented the fact, but actually, he came down and his spirit filled the temple. The ark was there, and the ark was a physical thing. A physical thing that if you physically touched, you would physically die because it was holy. God was dwelling among his people. And there was proof, there was evidence. And all of everything surrounding it was meant to point to the fact, God is here. God is among us. You fast forward all the way to the time of Jesus, and Jesus goes to the temple over and over and over again. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all those gospel accounts, you see that Jesus is in the temple. And what is Jesus doing in the temple? He does a lot of things there. He heals people there. What is Jesus healing people? It's it's him demonstrating the power of God among his people. In the temple, the place where God is with us, you have Jesus showing, yes, God is with us. What else does he do? He teaches them there. He teaches them what God requires. God with us says, here is what you're to do. He comforts the people there. He demonstrates God's love. He cleanses it. He cleanses the temple. He chases out those who are making it dirty so that it can be clean. So that others can see God among his people. Because remember what he says, it's to be a house of prayer for the nations. And you're making it a robber's den. What they were doing was they were preventing the world from being able to come and see God dwells here among his people. And at that point, you begin to realize what's really going on here is that Jesus is here. Right? Jesus is here. God with us. 
Emmanuel. It's not the temple. It's not the building. It's God with us that matters. If God is with us, who can be against us? If God is with us, we have everything we need. If God is with us, we can be healed. If God is with us, we'll be comforted. If God is with us, we'll know what we need to do. Jesus is the ultimate temple because he is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. But then what happens? Jesus goes up to heaven. God, in human flesh, was dwelling among us. And then he left. So what? Now, no longer God with us? Is that why we celebrate Christmas? Because we're like, well, remember there was a time where God was with us. That was great. No, that's not why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because we know that God is still with us and we remember the time that Jesus came because we're so thankful that God is with us. We are not left without God just because Jesus left and the temple was destroyed. You remember the temple was destroyed, right? 70 AD, the second temple, was destroyed. We are not without God. Why? There's no temple. How can God be among us? Even Jesus, the ultimate temple, isn't here anymore. The reason is the same reason that Jesus says, it's better for me to go for your sake. It would be worse if I stayed. How could it be worse for God to be among us in human form? He had a better plan. His better plan was not just among us as a man. His better plan was God with us, God among us, God in us. And so he gave us baptism. He says we are to be baptized by water and the Spirit. We have God within us now. Now here's the question. If God is within you, if you have received the Spirit of God dwelling in you, what does that make you? It makes you a temple. It makes you a temple. 
And that's not something I just thought up like, oh, hey, cool, that means we would be like, think about it. No, I'm not clever like that. It does make sense, doesn't it? But in 1 Corinthians 3, we're told it explicitly. Let me read this passage to you. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Is this kind of reminding you of all that talk about the temple and how it was built and its foundation and how careful they were and the details of their work? Listen to this. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, that's not the kind of building you want to do, is it? Building with straw. Each man's work will become evident. It's kind of like sweeping, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I swept. Huh. It's evident whether you did a good job, isn't it? So it is with our work in building Christ's kingdom. Our work is evident. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. You have God dwelling in you. If you have by faith received his spirit. God is dwelling in you. You are a temple. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Who in their right mind would destroy the temple? It took seven years to build. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. You don't destroy a temple.
Okay. Think back to Kings. If we're the temple of God and he is dwelling in us, we need to remember the same thing that God said to them. Hey, concerning this house which you are building, if you walk in my statutes and execute my ordinances and keep all my commandments by walking in them, then I will carry out my word with which I spoke to David your father. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. God has promised that he will dwell among us. How then are we given this warning not to destroy the temple right after the talk about building? Building. Okay, here's the thing. You are the temple. You are to be building. Just as we read in 1 Peter, living stones being built up. So we are to be building. Our work will become evident. So when he starts by saying, hey, you know, build. And don't build with straw. Don't build with wood. It won't make it through the fire. Build with gold and silver and precious jewels. You want to be building like Solomon built. You want to be building something beautiful. You want to be building something glorious and majestic and set apart to God. This is your life. That's what it's to be. It's to be set apart to God. It's to be beautiful. It's to be glorious. Why? Because God is dwelling in you. And because you love God and you don't desire that he have an ugly place to dwell. And you say, precisely. So why are we meeting in this gym? It's, it's kind of ugly. Right? Is this gym where God dwells? What do you think? Only because we're here. Only because we're here. God is here. Because he's in us. And so it's not about, it's not about the place, is it? The temple is pointing forward to the glorious beauty with which God is building up his kingdom, his people, his new temple, which has the foundation stone, that chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, and we are being built up on it. And we are to be building on it. And what are you going to be?
there's been a lot of abuse of this do you not know you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. I say abuse because we want to make it into something about our physical bodies. Now, it is about our physical bodies. It's, this is not some sort of Gnostic special knowledge that your body doesn't matter. But what's the point? The point is not don't smoke and don't drink, which is what a lot of people have tried to make this verse mean over the years, and many other things, like you have to exercise on a regular basis and, and a lot of other... No, that's not the building that, that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians. That's not the destruction, that's not the destroying of the temple that he's talking about. The man who gives himself up to be burned at the stake rather than deny his Savior, he does not destroy the temple. He makes it beautiful. He caps it with gold and jewels. And it will survive. It will survive the burning at the stake that he's facing. To destroy the temple is to make it not the dwelling place of God. To destroy the temple is to set up an idol in your heart where God is supposed to dwell. That's, that's destructive of the temple. The abomination of desolation. Setting up wickedness in the temple of God. Corrupting it with our thoughts, our desires, or our actions. Refusing to obey, refusing to repent. This tears down the temple. Because it is rejecting God. How else could you destroy the temple? How how, how, how more perfectly could you destroy the temple than kicking God out of it? The temple is the place where God dwells. The moment God is not there, it is not the temple. And that is why it was destroyed, to make it clear. No, no, that temple, that physical specimen of beauty, no, that is no longer the place where God is with us. Because he's not there anymore. But you must not do that to your body. You are a temple. 
If we reject God, he will destroy us. He desires obedience, doesn't he? Concerning this temple, concerning this house which you are building, keep my commandments. Are you building a temple? Are you building the temple to God or are you building it to some idol you have in your heart? In 1 Kings, we have that promise. If you walk in my statutes and execute my ordinances and keep all my commandments by walking in them, then I will carry out my word with you, which I spoke to David your father. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. Sweet, wonderful promise. And then in 1 Corinthians, we have the flip side, don't we? But if you destroy the temple, God will destroy you. Not God will forsake you. Why? Because you've already forsaken God if you destroy his temple. but rather he will destroy you. You are to be a beautiful temple. That does not mean that you are to work out. It does not mean that you're to put on makeup or that you're supposed to dress appropriately or anything like that. It means you are to build with gold and silver, and precious stones. You say, what in the world does that mean then? It means obey his commandments, and he will be glorified. The watching world will see this beautiful structure that points to God and says, God is here. God is among us. And the world will see it. When that is your behavior, when that is in your heart. And some of you have had the experience of meeting somebody and being able to tell very quickly, this person loves God. How can you tell? They're beautiful. They're made of gold. And it's, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? You can just see it. And you think the world can't see that? No, the world can see that. They know God is here. God's in him. What a beautiful building. What an amazing temple. What was it? Awesome. Majestic. Glorious, golden. Why? Because it's on the foundation of Jesus Christ. 
It's being built. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so many of our works are not building. Not building your kingdom, not building your temple. So many of our works, so much of the time we forget, we turn aside, we begin to serve idols instead of serving you. But Father, you have given us this reminder in Solomon building the temple and making it beautiful. You have given us this reminder in 1 Corinthians that we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling among us and in us. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to obey. That our works would be good. That they would be glorifying to you and honoring you. That our motives would be good and pure. Father, we pray that our work would last Father, we desire not that we would make it through by the skin of our teeth as through fire, but that we would make it through and receive a reward because our works lasted. Because what we built with was good. The proper materials worked carefully to glorify you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.